we like to pray a specific prayer before we begin our Torah study. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitsheno B'Misvatav Etzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. There are times in our lives when it seems we take two steps forward and then one step back. How many of you can identify with that? It feels like you make progress and then you lose progress. Sometimes it feels like it's one step forward, one step back, and you're just doing a split. But I want to talk to you about the times when we can take two steps forward and then another step forward. Another way of putting it is two steps forward, no steps back. And I think that this week's Torah reading helps bring this into focus. It presents what the two steps forward are, and then next week's Torah reading brings into focus how Israel had to avoid a setback, going back. How do we anticipate potential setbacks? How do we avoid them? I think that's one of the keys to making our forward momentum two steps forward and then another step after that. This week we read about the dramatic time that led up to the Exodus, and what we now know was the night of Pesach, of Passover, the night of the 10th plague. Each family of the children of Israel was given instruction to take the blood of a lamb, to apply it to the doorposts of each of their homes, and this was then to be a visible sign of their faith and their obedience to God. And that night, the children of Israel were told, the Lord would move throughout the land of Egypt, and so would the angel of death, the destroyer. We know that happened. At the time, they were anticipating. And so they were put on the spot in terms of trust. Would they trust the Lord, and would they do what he said? And they did. Now, the Lord had prepared Moses for this moment, and he did it in advance when Moses was still in Midian before he had returned to Egypt. The Lord gave an overview to him of how things would unfold in Egypt. It's in Exodus chapter 4. Turn there, Exodus 4, verses 21 through 24. This is the advance word that Moses gets. Remember, it's in Midian. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I've given you the power to do. However, I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. That's a good thing for us to say. Israel is my firstborn son. And it goes on. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. 
And that, in, that word worship also means serve. It combines together. So that he may serve me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. That's a tough word. And it's worth paying attention to some of the details and how they apply to us and how they can help us, I think. First of all, Moses heard this before he even went back to Egypt. So he had an overview of something that could have been frustrating to him. Because he was told to go and do this, but Pharaoh would not listen to him. Pharaoh's heart would get harder and harder, and he would not agree to let the children of Israel go. And it would get so bad that it would actually cost the firstborn sons of the Egyptians. That's how bad it would get. Now, if you were given an assignment and you knew that's how bad it's going to get, if you are a normal person, you might say, thank you very much, I'll pass on the assignment. It'd be understandable, wouldn't it? Knowing that things would not go so well. Or let's put it another way, that before the breakthrough, things would get crazy. Before the Lord fulfills what he plans to do, which is to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, before that happens, there is going to be conflict, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be challenges. Now, if you're like most people, when you know such things are ahead and you're not sure how you're going to feel, it's easier just to step back and to say, I don't really want to be in the middle of that kind of thing. Most of us, I think, prefer a guarantee of success. Most of us try to organize our lives in some way so that it, things go progressively better and better and we don't put ourselves into such a challenging situation that they might just, everything might just fall to pieces. How many prefer to wake up in the morning with the expectation, today's going to be a pretty good day? Yeah, that's how most of us are. Very few people wake up in the morning thinking, I'm so excited because today's going to be rotten. It's going to be so hard, and there's going to be so much resistance Oh, boy. So Moses is told, go and get the children of Israel and bring them out. Tell Pharaoh this. Use these particular words at the right time. But understand this, it's not going to be easy. You will have to be faithful and you will have to persevere, Moses and Pharaoh's going to resist you, and it's going to get so bad it's going to cost him his firstborn son and all the Egyptians their firstborn sons too. That's how bad it's going to get. So it's interesting to me that Moses did go back. He didn't escape. He didn't pull a Jonah and look for a boat 
He didn't try to run in the other direction. He did go back. He struggled at moments himself, but he went back in order to do what God called him to do. And I think that's such a great example for us, isn't it? That, that we can learn to continue, that we can learn to persevere, that we can learn to do what is honorable before God and pleasing to him according to his plan and not our plan. There's another interesting and important detail. When the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, it's clear to me that the Lord is keeping track of his Jewish people. And he is saying, I want my firstborn son, Israel, to be set free. And that firstborn son is a collective son. It's all the children of Israel. Later accounts tell us there were some 600,000 men plus women and children, maybe two million, who were being called out. And they were being called to recognize their Jewishness and to go forth as the children of Israel. So we can say that the Lord is keeping track of his Jewish people. What does that tell us? It tells us that his Jewish people are important to him so important that he identifies them publicly as his firstborn son. So if you're a Jew, then it's important to the Lord because he's keeping track. But he's also keeping track of all those who would join themselves to the Jewish people because in the end, it wasn't just the children of Israel who went out, but people from Egypt and perhaps other nations who saw what God was doing and they went out too with the children of Israel. So the Lord tells Moses, be prepared. Be prepared to speak to Pharaoh with power and truth that's purely based on my words and not on your human power. And confront them and say, the Lord God Almighty, the God of Israel, has said, let my son go so that he can serve and worship me, but you refuse. And it's a way of confronting Pharaoh and saying, you're trying to destroy the life and the calling of my people Israel. So let me tell you this. There are still to this day people who are committed to destroying the life and the calling of the people Israel. That opposition hasn't gone away, and it is still being opposed by the Lord, who's keeping track. Moses is told to tell Pharaoh something like this, you're trying to destroy the life and the calling of my people Israel, my firstborn son, and that's going to cost you. Like for like, it's going to cost you. You're trying to destroy my firstborn son? It will cost you your firstborn. Now let's read in this week's Torah portion, Exodus chapter 12. You can turn there to verse 21. The Lord is giving some promises and also some very explicit instructions. Moses called for all the leaders of Israel. So now Moses is back in the land of Egypt 
He's speaking to the leaders of Israel, and already there have been nine plagues, and the children of Israel are still there, and things have gotten harder and worse, not easier and better. And he gives this instruction, select and take lambs for your families and slaughter the Pesach lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop leaves, dip it in the blood, which is in a basin, and smear it on the two sides and the top of the doorframe. And then none of you is to go out the door of his house until morning. Verse 23. Because Adonai will pass through to kill the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and on the two sides of your doorposts, Adonai will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses and kill you. Verse 24, you are to remember and observe this as an ordinance, you and your descendants forever. So at this point, the, the people are ready to heed what Moses tells them from the Lord And it involved all those details. The lamb taking the blood and putting it on the doorposts, the mezuzot of their house. The timing was specified as well. Specific details. And the children of Israel took this to heart. They took to heart what God promised to do. He said, you do this because I'm about to do such and such. The Lord said whenever he comes through and sees the blood on the doorpost that night, he will stand guard over that house and the people in it. The the word Pesach and passing over sometimes in English conveys the wrong impression. Sometimes people think it means the Lord will skip that house. That's not what it means. It's the Lord will see that house and he will come and actively protect those in the house from the angel of death, the destroyer. That's why um, he says he will not allow the destroyer to enter your house. So he would protect the children of Israel from the death of the firstborn sons in their house. And it was on this specific night, not the next night or a week later or sometime that might be more convenient for some, it was on this night that all of it happened and that Pharaoh lost his firstborn son. And so in desperation, he sent Israel out. And we read about the importance of teaching these events to our own children so that they would learn from us what God did for us then, and so that we would pass on from generation to generation. We would learn, and we would share. It was during this first Passover that Israel was actually set free from slavery in Egypt, where Pharaoh finally lets Israel go. So that's two steps forward, isn't it? Israel gets to go out. But that wasn't the end of the matter. In fact, there was potential for another setback, and it was a big setback. And it wasn't going to be just one step back. It would be all the way back into slavery. I want to pick up that part of the story in Exodus 13, starting in verse 17, 13, 17. 
It's actually part of next week's reading, and we'll go into some more detail next week, I hope. Exodus 13, verses 17 through 22. Then it came to pass. Okay, so the children of Israel have kept the Pesach as instructed, when instructed, according to those details. The firstborn of Egypt have lost their lives. The children of Israel have been led out by Moses, ejected, in a sense, by Pharaoh. And they're going out. And this is where we pick up the story again. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was close, it was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people changed their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. You see, war can be so hard that just being aware of the details or experiencing it can cause people to lose heart and to want to give up. You can see how that's at work even today as Israel is trying to deal with the, the terror of Hamas. Many people lose heart. The Lord was saying back after the exodus, as they're going out, I will not lead them by the land of the Philistines. That is close. It's nearby. It'd be a shorter route, but it would take them into war. And they would, could change their minds when they see war. And what would happen if they changed their minds? They would return to Egypt. Because that's one of the things that happens to people in the face of difficulty. When we're trying to get through into something new, if we face difficulty, some people just say, well, let's just go back to the way it was. Let's try to go back. And when people do that, they often not only give up, but they fantasize and become... Uh, they live under illusions for a while. They forget why they needed to get out. And the reason is fear. The reason is difficulty. The reason is they see challenges. They face challenges that are so troubling to their souls and to their minds that they just want to go back to the way it was. Verse 18, and so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So the Lord knew that there was a setback looming, and he knew if they took the short route that it would be a setback because they would see war and the reaction of the people would cause them to change their minds and to return to Israel, return to Egypt rather. God knew it was too much for the people. They were vulnerable to a specific setback. 
And that setback would take them back to Egypt, back to slavery. They would just give up. I think that's connected to what we were praying about earlier today, when, when your soul cries out, how long? Because you feel like you can't take it anymore. When you're saying, this is too much. It's a way of recognizing that your soul in its distress just wants to go back to the trouble you used to have, rather than to move forward. The children of Israel were not strong enough spiritually and they weren't ready to function together and to defend themselves. And so God led them the long way to the wilderness. And some people thought, no doubt, that the long way was the wrong way. So for all of us who have ever prayed for patience, we can recognize this because when we're praying for patience, you know what we're saying is, this is taking too long and I'm impatient, I want it now. That's why a lot of us pray for patience like it's a gift. Lord, give me patience now. That's not how you get patience. You get patience by persevering. You get more patience by persevering through more difficulty and through longer and longer periods. So many people think the long way is the wrong way. Can any of you identify with that? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's normal. It's common that, that we associate answers to prayer from God as being direct. If God is really answering us, then right now we move directly into easy street, whatever that might be. So they thought the long way was the wrong way. But in this case, the long way was the better way. Let's look at verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had placed the children, children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So that was centuries earlier that Joseph had died, and he knew the future of the children of Israel, and that one day the children of Israel would be returning to the promised land, that their future was there, not in Egypt. And so he communicated that in such a way that his children and all of Israel held on to this idea, we will take Joseph with us when we go back. So Joseph's bones, if you will, were also a promise of the return. Sometimes what looks like just simple dead things is actually the sign of a promise. Next week we'll read about how the Egyptians came after Israel and how Israel was trapped at the Red Sea. And that looked like a setback, but it wasn't. And that's what I want you to think about today. There was a setback that was looming it was the fast way. The fast way would have meant defeat, spiritual defeat, losing heart, giving up, going back. What looked to Israel like the setback wasn't really the setback at all. It was time for Israel to learn to take two steps forward and then another step forward. 
Israel had to learn to trust God as he led them forward and to keep that Kadima perspective. What does Kadima mean? Forward, charge, let's go. That's what it means. Israel had to take a stand to trust God and to keep moving forward and to not give up. Sometimes people look like they're moving forward, but in their hearts, they've already given up. They've already surrendered. And they're just waiting for the opportunity to surrender. In their heart, they're saying, I know this isn't going to work out. And then when it seems to not work out, they say, see, I told you. This wasn't going to work out. There are a lot of people like that. And often, it's at the moment of greatest distress that people give up, not knowing that what comes next is the breakthrough. And if they can just hold on, then they will see the breakthrough. And that requires that they deal with, with their emotions in a different way and, and stop being reactive and know this, that if they're just reacting to difficulty and they react in such a way that they want to go back to the previous condition, that they will lose all forward momentum. You can't just go back and then go forward in life. When you go back, you get stuck. When you go back, you go back to slavery, not to freedom. Israel has this moment when they're thinking, oh, the leeks and the garlic and the melons of Egypt. And they're forgetting that the sons of Israel were held in slavery. They're forgetting that. And so we're taught through this that we have to recognize that it's not safe to go back to what is familiar when the Lord is leading us ahead. Here's a question. It's an easy question. Did God bring Israel out of slavery, out of Egypt, out from Pharaoh's control, just so that the people could die in the wilderness? The answer, no. And I think each of us faces times when we have a question that's sort of like that for ourselves. Did God bring you this far just so that you could die too? So that you could fail too? So that you could give up here? You know what the answer is? The answer is no. He didn't bring you just a little bit further so that you could die two steps ahead. And I think facing this question is part of the spiritual battle we're all in. We need to remember where we're headed. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Fix our eyes on Yeshua, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We have to be ready to take a stand and to do spiritual warfare. That requires putting on the full armor of God and having done all remain standing. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying in the Spirit. And this will increase our capacity to face difficult situations and painful challenges. 
And when we take that stand, and when you follow the Lord, and you allow Him to lead you forward through threatening circumstances, you will move forward. You'll experience favor and grace and the power of God moving on your behalf. You'll grow in the fruit of the Spirit. You'll grow in the gifts of the Spirit. You'll see the gifts of the Spirit at work. You'll be an overcomer as you move forward with the Lord. So what's required of us? We have to follow God's leadership. That's our part. Don't give up. Don't surrender to circumstances. Don't sell out. Take your stand. Keep your eyes on the Lord, do your best, work hard, trust the Lord, rely on the Lord, let your faith and your faithfulness bring pleasure to the Lord and make him proud. This is the better way. You know, it's funny right now when, when I was reading my notes about that, I had this thought. Okay, Lord, I shared what you gave me about the healing you want to do for people with problems with inflamed nerves, the sheathing. And it, I had this sense of joy. Of course, that will be increased when I hear the reports, even if it's just one report of someone who is healed. But there's a joy in being able to say, Lord, I did what you said. I did it. It's still up to you, Lord. It's not up to me, but I did what you said. There's a joy that comes into the souls of men and women, into our hearts and into our minds, into our spirit, that is refreshing and renewing. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's God's joy that we have the privilege of sharing. So we have moved forward in many ways in 2023. And as we're moving forward in 2024, there will be many breakthroughs. And so that means there will also be many challenges. Yes? Let me remind you of that. And do your best to try to be enthusiastic when I ask you this question this time. There will be many blessings in 2024. Yeah! And there will be many challenges. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Because blessings and challenges go together, but we are overcomers. We don't give up. We don't surrender. We don't go back. Okay. Even if you were just faking it until you make it, that's okay with me. I think it helps sometimes if you stir yourself up, even if it's just for a moment, because then you understand that you can stir yourself up and that it doesn't have to be just for a moment. I like what Eric Painter said the other day. He said, uh, this is not just a new chapter. It's a new book. So put 2023 on the shelf. Time to read a new book, 2024. Two steps forward, and then another step forward. Let's be strong in the Lord and the great promises and blessings of Messiah. And I want to give you just a few quick scriptures 
Let these enter into your soul if you can. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope comes when you are trusting in him. And then it comes in such measure that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got troubles. You've got troubles. We've all got troubles. But when we trust in the Lord and his hope, his hope begins to overflow in us. And going one verse back, Romans 15, verse 12, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. This is a great promise of Messiah, that not only will we overflow with hope, but the nations of the world will turn to Messiah. God is keeping track of his Jewish people. He knows his firstborn son, but he also knows that he has made wide open the way for people from any nation to turn to him and to be included and to be welcomed into the family of God. And the good news is not just for the Jewish people, it's for all the nations of the world. And so the good things that God is doing on behalf of, of Jewish families and Jewish individuals, he also wants to extend to everyone who will put their trust in him. Matthew 12, 21. His name will be the hope of all the world. And then one last verse, Isaiah 42, verse 4. In his Torah, the distant islands will put their hope. In his instruction, in his guidance, in his leadership, even the places furthest away from Israel will also put their hope. And so let's allow that confidence to be strong in us that God will lead us, and he knows what the real setbacks are that could defeat us, and he will lead us in such a way that we will not be defeated by those setbacks, but that means we will face challenges that will build us up, that are part of favor. That's why we want to be enthusiastic about challenges, because we know when we're serving the Lord, these challenges are marked by the favor of the Lord. They are not just meaningless opposition or difficulty. God uses our challenges in order to build us up and to lead us forward. That's the good news. Let's hold on to that and let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening us. Thank you, Lord, for building us up. Thank you, Lord, for not recognizing our own whining and fears and leading us instead with your hope and your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you for your leadership in our lives. We thank you for the ways that you send your word and you heal us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who empowers us. And let it be that our hearts do overflow with hope as we trust in you. In Yeshua's name we pray.
Amen. We're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And I want to say thank you again to everyone who's been making generous and special New Year contributions. That really helps us move forward in 2024 with strength. And thank you for all the words of encouragement that you send. Keep them coming. They mean so much to us. And for those of you who aren't yet supporters, would you consider standing with us financially? You can go to bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. We're going to close with God's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and all of the Mishpochah Beth Israel, thanks for joining us. Hope you can come next door to the Shalom Center for our own egg. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.